0: This week, Jones Energy files for Chapter 11, Bristow skips unsecured coupon, PHI UCC requests more time on so-called Insider Plan. More on all this, and as always, updates from Puerto Rico. Welcome to the Week in Reorg. Hello, and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring you the latest top developments in high yield and distressed debt and bankruptcy. I'm Mark Fisher, reporting from Reorg's offices in New York City.
1: And I'm Harvard Jung. later in this podcast, legal analyst and your regular weekly podcast host. Karen Lund sits down with Jessica Steinhagen and Ian Holland of Reorg's First first day team to discuss trends in Chapter 11 filings in the first quarter. Happy Easter and happy Passover. It's Sunday, April 21st.
0: As previewed earlier this month, Jones Energy filed for Chapter 11 on April 14th in the Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of Te- Texas. The debtors are seeking confirmation of an already solicited prepackaged plan of reorganization. According to a preliminary voting report from proposed claims and solicitation agent Epic, the plan has been accepted by 92% of Class 4 first lien notes claims and 83% of Class 5 unsecured notes claims, the two voting classes under the plan. The debtors obtained first day relief at a hearing before Judge David Jones on Monday, during which the judge also set a plan and combined disclosure statement approval and plan confirmation hearing for May 6th. The cases are to be funded with the consensual use of cash collateral and without dip financing. According to the disclosure statement, the company expects to equitize all $1 billion of its pre petition funded debt and obtain a new exit credit facility in an aggregate principal amount of up to $20 million. The exit facility allowance would also have the option to seek alternative financing with higher borrowing limits. Although the D.S. states that the debtors believe that, quote, their total enterprise value does not support a recovery to unsecured noteholders, the plan contemplates an opportunity for a, quote, meaningful recovery to the unsecured noteholders from the first lien notes collateral that they likely would not otherwise be entitled to receive.
1: Helicopter company Bristol Group said on Monday that it elected to skip the interest payment on its six and a quarter senior unsecured notes due 2022. Monday was also the deadline for the company to file its 10Q for the quarter that ended in uh, December. Bristol obtained waivers from certain lenders that extended the deadline to June 19th. Bristol has also retained financial and legal advisors to explore um, the strategic financial alternatives with the objective uh, of strengthening uh, its uh, long-term capital position. Sources pre- previously told Rework in March that Bridgestone has engaged Baker Boat and Wachtell Lipton as uh, legal advisors and Holen Loki as financial advisor. Monday's release adds that the company also engaged Alvarez and Marcel. Bristol also filed additional risk sections that would serve as a supplement to prior reports in which it warns that it may elect to implement such a transaction through Chapter 11. The filing adds that the 10Q for the quarter ended December 31st and the 10K for the fiscal year ended March 31st, quote, may contain disclosures that uh, express substantial doubt about its ability to continue as a going concern, indicating the possibility that it may not be able to operate in the future.
0: The Official Committee of Unsecured Creditors and PHI filed an expedited motion for a limited adjournment of the debtor's disclosure statement hearing. The UCC requests that the hearing be pushed to a date to be negotiated between the UCC and the debtors, allowing the UCC to evaluate and and negotiate the terms of the debtor's Chapter 11 plan, or what the UCC refers to as the, quote, insider plan. According to the UCC, the currently proposed schedule For DS approval does not provide sufficient time for it to perform its statutory duties and assess the plan. The UCC says the PHI plan, quote, reflects the debtor's apparent goal of preserving a meaningful portion of the current equity ownership structure at the expense of their unsecured creditors. The plan, according to the UCC, contemplates a potential cram down of one or more classes of unsecured creditors based on improper classification illegal death traps that would punish unsecured creditors for voting against the insider plan, broad releases of claims against insiders, and a potential increase in the controlling shareholders' ownership interest in the debtors. The UCC further asserts that the debtors have not provided a plan equity value, and so it is currently, quote, impossible to ascertain exactly how much new equity CEO Al Gonsolin is slated to receive directly and indirectly under the insider plan. But, Based on a range of enterprise values between 300 million and 600 million, Mr. Gonsolin would get between 54% and 24% of the reorganized equity, a larger percentage of the debtor's ownership than he currently has.
1: Turning to the island of Puerto Rico, the official committee of creditors in the Title III cases filed a motion Wednesday seeking to be appointed as trustee of the Commonwealth under Section 926 of the bankruptcy code for the purpose of continuing to investigate and prosecute certain of the Commonwealth's avoidance actions. The motion also asks the court to grant um, the UCC derivative standing to continue and investigate and prosecute certain other related commonwealth um, causes of action, as well as calling for independent investigator Cobra and Kim to turn over all documents and witness interview notes. The motion follows a stipulation filed Tuesday night by the PROMESA Oversight Board and the UCC which provided the co- the committee with a deadline of Wednesday morning to file the 926 trustee motion. The trustee motion specifically points to paragraph 18 of the stipulation, which provides that the UCC, quote, may seek by motion by the court to be appointed as trustee or plaintiff to pursue additional claims, end quote. The definition of additional claims includes certain claims related to offerings of GO. PBA, and ERS bonds, including on theories of fraudulent transfer, fraud, breach of fiduciary duty, and deepening insolvency. Despite the parties' entry into the stipulation, the UCC makes clear that the parties were unable to to reach an agreement regarding the pursuit of what the motion would characterizes as, quote, perhaps the most critical causes of action in these Title III cases, namely claims against the various participants in the bond issuances, including individuals that would expose their improper conduct, end quote. Also in Puerto Rico, the Treasury Department reported on Monday that Tax collections increased on a year-over-year basis in January, beating projections for the month in the Commonwealth's um, certif- uh, certified fiscal plan and remain ahead of targets through the f- uh, the first seven months of fiscal 2019. Net revenue to the general fund was 718 million dollars in January. $113 million more than a year earlier, and $118 million more uh, above estimates.
0: Other top red stories of the week were, In stream, Milbank's second lien group files first rule 2019. Elliott discloses total holdings of $1.15 billion, including $405 million of second lien notes and $524.8 million of unsecured notes. In PG&E, Wilkie Farr Subrogation Group files complaint-seeking preservation of potentially critical campfire evidence, and Adian announces intention to offer $750 million of senior secured notes due 2026.
1: And here's Jim Holloway, back this week, with a week ahead.
2: Yeah, thank you for that. It's Jim Holloway in Houston, and it's a busy week in store for us, starting with Tesla, which on Monday, April 22nd, is hosting an Autonomy Investor Day in Palo Alto, California. Palo Alto, the city is apparently named for a tree, when found about Leland Stanford, which also gave to a grateful humanity the eponymous university. Didn't know this, but I think it's kind of interesting. His brother was a well-known spiritualist, meaning he talked to ghosts, seances, and Ouija boards and all that. I think he even endowed a chair for it there at Stanford. Not sure if it's still there. Anyways, on to Tuesday, April 23rd. Lawyers get them meters ready. We have a confirmation hearing in Synergy and a continued stip hearing in P, G, and E. And earnings, yes, that rough beast slouches our way once again like it does four times a year. And today, on Tuesday, we have a Community Choice Financial provider of payday loans where the APRs can run into the three digits. April 24th, which is Wednesday, omnibus hearings in Puerto Rico and PG&E, and a second-day hearing in Vanguard Natural Resources. And on the earnings front, Albertsons, grocer and druggist, and in Houston, purveyor of excellent fried chicken through its Randall's unit, and earnings from Tesla. Yes, I too wondered why the analyst date is before the earnings release. I'm sure there's a great reason. I'm just too sorry to go look it up. Anyways, Thursday, April 25th, an equity committee formation meeting in PHI, Inc. And it's a shame this meeting ain't going to be in Lafayette, Louisiana, where PHI is HQ'd, because then you could stop in at the Creole Lunchhouse and have that sausage stuffed bread with the chicken fricassee sauce. And we also have earnings from GNC, Clear Channel, Mattel, and Algico. And last but not least, Friday, in PG&E, the California Public Utilities Commission is holding a public discussion on PG&E. Now, I see a lot of Tesla drivers with California plates in Houston, and that address, if you need to plug it into your navigation, because I'm sure you want to be there for it, is 505 Van Ness Avenue in San Francisco. Safe travels, y'all. Thanks for coming,
0: and back to everybody in New York. Thanks, Jim. Now, here are Karen, Jessica, and Ian to discuss Chapter 11 filings in the first quarter.
3: I'm talking today with the team at Reorg First Day, Jessica Steinhagen and Ian Howland. Reorg First Day monitors Chapter 11 filings across the country with more than $10 million in liabilities and attracts trends in filings through the First Day database. Jessica and Ian are going to give us a bird's eye view today of Chapter 11 filing activity in the first quarter of 2019.
4: Thanks, Karen. First day, had a particularly busy first quarter with a flurry of the usual chapter 11 cases we cover. We also added coverage recently for single asset real estate cases that fall below our usual threshold of more than 10 million in liabilities to broaden coverage. The purpose of the broadened coverage is to capture additional smaller real estate filers that may be of interest to investors or other subscribers. For example, we have recently reported on East Village Properties, a New York-based real estate company with various multifamily real property buildings in the East Village up for sale, and Vista Ridge Limited Partnership, which owns an apartment building in Washington, D.C. Coverage also included Om Shree, which does business as various hotels under banners, including Red Roof Inn and Microtel Inn, and real estate developer CBCS Washington Street, which is developing a luxury hotel in Manhattan.
3: Great. It's great to hear about that new real estate coverage by Rioc First Day. And now turning to the main event today, uh, Jessica turning it to you. Can you take us through some of the trends you've seen in the first quarter in terms of the volume of bankruptcy activity as well as the kind of companies filing for Chapter 11?
5: Well, like Ian mentioned, it's been busy. From January 1st through March 31st, the count for new bankruptcy cases was 102. To put things in perspective, that's up 3% from last year in 2018, up 19% from 2017 and down 8% from 2016. The January 15th through March 15th period this year was particularly busy, which outpaced each of the previous three years with nearly 90 new cases in just under 60 days. When we look at the types of companies that are filing, healthcare cases are up 55% when compared to the same period in 2018, and consumer discretionary cases are up roughly 12.5%. Over this period, oil and gas cases have been cut in half, and financials cases are down 12%. In particular, February was the busiest February for Chapter 11 filings in at least four years, with nearly 40 new Chapter 11 cases commenced in just 28 days. Since re first day started coverage in 2015, the busiest February after 2019 was 2016. Those who remember what those days were like may not be surprised to hear that 21% of Chapter 11s in February 2016 were made up of energy cases. In February this year, energy cases were just 8% of the new Cases.
4: We also saw a continuation of many of the same trends we observed last year, including distress in the retail and healthcare sectors. There were roughly fifteen retail bankruptcies in the first quarter, including ten retail chains such as Shopco, Jimbury, Charlotte Roos, Things Remembered, Payless, along with the US retail arm for international fashion company Diesel. There was also Full Beauty, which is the first retail filing for a company with over one billion in liabilities that operates primarily online as opposed to traditional brick and mortar channels. There are also filings from retail suppliers, including textile manufacturer Bronx, which ran into trouble renovating a facility the company acquired through the liquidation of American apparel. Furniture has become an increasingly prevalent theme in retail chapter 11s, now accounting for over 20% of the year-to-date total. We also saw more Chapter Eleven filings from companies in printed
3: media and in restaurant chain. Great, thanks, Ian. So that was the uh, those were the trends in retail. Uh, another topic that you highlighted before: the rising rate of healthcare bankruptcies. What's going on there?
4: Right, and we should mention that these cases are rising in both frequency and liability size. A total of 17 healthcare cases filed in the first quarter, nearly half of which reported over 100 million in liabilities. For quarter one, 2018, there were only 11 healthcare cases total and three with over 100 million in debt. In 2017, these numbers were eight and two.
3: And what kinds of companies are seeking chapter 11 relief in the healthcare industry?
4: The biggest development this quarter was specialty pharmaceutical companies, including including Avidel Specialty Pharmaceuticals, Pernic Sleep, and Aceto. Nearly all of these pharmaceutical cases, which make up roughly 40% of the quarter's healthcare filings, aim to sell their assets. The healthcare sector as a whole was heavy on sales during the quarter. 60% of cases were filed in pursuit of a potential sale. There are also three continuing care retirement communities seeking to sell assets.
5: So generally, these pharmaceutical companies all cited the same thing, which is just underperformance of their drugs. But Pernix also faced a loss of its two largest generics, um, along with an expiration of certain patents and then also negative court rulings. Aceto also had a U.S. government determination that 11 of its generics were out of compliance. Aceto also faced supply chain challenges prior to the bankruptcy. The retirement communities that filed this past quarter all face low occupancy in their facilities. One of them was called Air Force Village West, which used to cater only to military families because of its proximity to an Air Force base, has since relaxed that requirement and says that that rebranding should put it on better financial footing. Um, There were also retirement communities in Texas. One of them was the Mirador community in Corpus Christi that filed um, because of low occupancy, but also attributed this to the 2008 economic downturn, which affected the residential real estate market that didn't allow potential residents to sell their houses and pay Mirador's entrance fee. Mirador explained that its entrance fee model was based on its successful affiliates in other places such as Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin, but Corpus Christi generally has a smaller median income. Um, Mirador's troubles were also made worse by four primary competitors in its area. Mayflower Communities was another one of these retirement communities um, doing business as the Barrington of Carmel in Carmel, Indiana, and it faced competition also from competing facilities close to it. Um, they will filed separately in different courts. Both Mirador and Mayflower have Senior Quality Lifestyles Corporation as their sole member, and they also share certain advisors.
3: Interesting. So a variety of reasons cited there, but uh, with drug underperformance as the focus for the pharmaceutical companies. So let's get also into some of the other features of the new bankruptcies from the last quarter from a high level. Uh, Jessica, how many of these new filings, these new bankruptcies? cases were prepackaged cases.
5: About a dozen, amounting to about 12% of the total cases filed for the quarter. We found that this percentage is similar to the volume of pre packs that we found also for 2018, which was 14% of all of 2018's cases. The pre packaged or pre arranged cases were mostly concentrated in the larger cases, with all but two reporting at least 100 million in liabilities. The largest was Mortgage Loan Service or DITAC, which filed reporting more than 10 billion in liabilities and a restructuring support agreement that they also entered into after emerging from its first bankruptcy just over a year ago. Um, There were also a few companies reporting up to a billion dollars in debt, such as CTI Foods, Trident Holding, and Arsenal Energy. And also ShopCo was a retailer that filed Along with Diesel. Diesel was the subsidiary of the Italian based Jeans Company, but it was on the smaller side of liabilities, reporting just 10 million to 50 million in liabilities.
3: That makes sense to me that prepacks are more prevalent in larger cases than in smaller ones. Let's also turn to a very large and complex recent Chapter 11 case without a prepack. PG&E. I was interested to read in Rio First Day's coverage that PG&E was actually the first company to check the box for more than $50 billion in liabilities on a Chapter 11 petition. That petition is the form that's filled out by a debtor when filing for Chapter 11 and it initiates the bankruptcy case. Ian, can you tell us more about that?
4: Yeah. Toward the end of 2016, the Chapter 11 petition was modified to include, uh, among other things, expanded liability ranges. Prior to the change, the largest liability range was simply over $1 billion. But now, the petitions include options for ranges of $1 billion to $10 billion, $10 billion to $50 billion, and more than $50 billion. Prior to PG&E, there had yet to be a single company check the more than $50 billion box. Mired in California wildfire liabilities, including more than 11.4 billion in insured losses, reported 52 billion in total liabilities.
3: Wow! So PG&E was definitely the largest case filed recently. And what are some of the other largest Chapter 11 cases from the last quarter?
4: Other large cases commenced in the first quarter um, include uh, two companies that reported between 10 billion and 50 billion in liabilities. Windstream Holdings, which reported $11.2 billion in debt, and Ditec, which along with some of its non-debtor affiliates, reported $12.3 billion in liabilities.
3: Another thing that the First Day team keeps track of when monitoring these new bankruptcies is whether these cases are so-called Chapter 22s or companies that have filed for Chapter 11 a second time. What was Chapter 22 activity like in the last quarter?
5: Well, it's interesting. In 2018, we saw only five chapter 22 cases but for the purposes just so you know for the purposes of our analysis we define that as a company that files for chapter 11 for a second time within five years of the first filing so in the first quarter of this year alone there were already five chapter 22s and with another new filing in this category in early april the chapter 22 cases in 2019 have already surpassed those in 2018. We also took a look at the Chapter 22 cases from the last five years, and if you break down these repeat doubters by industries, the retail category has the largest share with 27%, followed by healthcare with 17%, and real estate also with 17%. Some of the biggest Chapter 22s in the first quarter were Ditech, Payless, and Gymboree, as well as some smaller filers like Capstone Pediatrics and La Trinidad Elderly. La Trinidad provides affordable housing to eligible low-income elderly tenants in Puerto Rico, and Capstone is a pediatric and healthcare operation in Nashville.
3: The First Day database keeps track of DIP financings for new Chapter 11 debtors too. How would you describe the DIPs from the first quarter, Ian?
4: There are approximately 40 DIP financing agreements in the first-day database for cases filed during uh, the first quarter of this year, the biggest of which was PG&E's $5.5 billion DIP financing request, followed by DITech's $1.9 billion DIP financing agreement and Windstream's $1 billion facility. None of those amounts were inclusive of roll-ups. There were some relatively high interest rates proposed in quarter ones credit agreements with the um, highest belonging to Burkhalter rigging at 16%. In total, approximately 10 cases include proposed DIP interest rates above 10%.
3: So that's an overview of Chapter 11 cases monitored by the First Aid team in the first quarter of this year. And uh, one last question. What's the level of Chapter 11 filing activity in the first few weeks of the fourth quarter?
4: Well, it's already been a busy start Um, for large cases in the second quarter, with Chapter 11 filings from South South Cross Energy Partners, Vanguard Natural Resources, Hexion, and Jones Energy. Vanguard had liabilities of 1.2 billion, and Hexion filed with 3.8 billion in debt, excluding trade debt. South Cross and Jones Energy had debt loads of 604.2 million and 1 billion, respectively. Each of these four cases filed within the first two weeks of the second quarter. To put this in perspective, in all of quarter one, there were 11 chapter 11 filers with more than
3: 500 million in debt. Wow, so already a very busy start to the second quarter. Well, thank you so much, Jessica and Ian, for reviewing chapter 11 cases in the first quarter with us today. Mark, back to you. Thanks,
0: and thank you for listening to another Reorg Weekly Review. As always, you can find all Reorg podcasts on our site's media page, iTunes, and SoundCloud. This has been The Week in Reorg.